0: 5k every day in the month of May. 5k every day in the month of may hey 5k every day in the month of may 5k every day in the month of may this is jeff Pullen, and you are listening to the 5k every day in the month of may 2021 podcast we are one week away from the final day of this epic challenge this is the last full week next monday will be the final 5k may 5k try saying that 10 times fast for those of you who have made it this far great job keep it up you've come too far to turn back now i hope you are not just surviving this 5k may 2021 challenge but that you are thriving in the challenge let's go ahead and get today's podcast going with an upbeat song from pull band this is alive to shine the eric kaufman remix <music>
1: i spoken. At life, our God has made us light.
0: reminder to everyone out there that this Wednesday we will be having our final group run activity of 5k may 2021 if you are anywhere near the Worcester Ohio area we would love for you to come and join us for the Worcester running group group run and or walk at 6 p.m. right at the square in downtown Worcester if you were coming from out of town why not come a little early and take advantage of the 15% off of one pair of shoes deal that vertical runner of Worcester is offering to all 5k mayors if you haven't used it yet that deal is still good through the end of the month. Maybe you didn't need new shoes going into the challenge, but your feet may be ready for something fresh as this challenge begins to wrap up and you choose to continue running and or walking on a regular basis long after 5k May 2021 is over. So come early, check out Vertical Runner of Worcester, and then stick around to join us for the group run. On Saturday... The 5K Mayhem bonus challenge is going down. It's gonna be an amazing day. If at all possible, I encourage you to start with us at 6.30 a.m. by running and or walking a 5K, then see if you can do another at 7.30 a.m. and another at 8.30 a.m. How many can you do? Can you finish all 12 loops? You'll never know what you are capable of until you try. So grab a friend or nine, coax them into joining you, and let's let the 5K Mayhem begin. We will be reporting on our progress in Apple Creek, Ohio between each lap on the Facebook group page. We would love to know how your 5K Mayhem is going as well. Misery loves company. I mean, we are stronger together. As you mentally prepare for the 5K Mayhem bonus challenge and get excited about saving 15% off of the price of a great pair of new shoes at Vertical Runner of Worcester, let's go ahead and jump back into our daily Bible reading. We are currently in the Gospel of John. Chapter 2 The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, that is not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby, there were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, Fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of the ceremony. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After the wedding, he went to Capernaum, for a few days with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration, so Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple, scattered the money changers' coins over the floor, and turned over the tables. Then going over to the people who sold the doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered this this prophecy from the scriptures, passion for God's house will consume me. But the Jewish leaders demanded, what are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. All right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. What? They exclaimed, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you can rebuild it in three days. But when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this and they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus had said. Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart." The Gospel according to John is so different from the other three. Matthew wanted to show that Jesus was the coming Messiah, Mark masterfully made us aware of Jesus' intention of ushering in the Kingdom of God, Luke labored to let us know that the Gospel is for outsiders too, and then there is John. John brings with his writing a whole new dimension to the life of Jesus. Not only was John one of Jesus' closest friends, but he was a deep thinker. John's gospel is arguably the most theologically rich gospel. John seems to be most interested in establishing Jesus as the eternal God, always existing and dwelling among us in human flesh. Yes, Jesus was fully man, but John wants us to see that he was also fully God john will also spend a lot of time detailing the passion week but let's not get ahead of ourselves here in john 2 we witness jesus's first miracle turning water into wine this miracle defies logic and science and it's just plain cool i've heard religious people try to explain it away as non-alcoholic wine which is really funny to me because that kind of defeats the purpose of the whole miracle altogether And in trying to keep with their staunch, stoic view of Jesus, they rewrite scripture to serve their purposes. But no, it was alcoholic. That was the miracle. Jesus took ordinary water and transformed its physical properties to turn it into fermented grape juice. He is not constrained by time. He is not constrained by science. And he did it for pleasure. It would have been easy for an overly religious version of Jesus to say, Well, you fools shouldn't be drinking, so it's a good thing you ran out of wine. But that's not what happened at all. Let's read again what did happen. There was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for the Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. Now, I'm not in any way advocating or promoting drunkenness, and I don't think Jesus was either. Neither do I think that drinking wine or other alcoholic beverages is evil. I mean, if Jesus did it, well. You know, the, you know the thing. So what was Jesus actually up to here? This is what I think the miracle of turning water into wine was really about. In the Old Testament, wine was seen as a sign of God's blessing. A plentiful harvest and plentiful wine was symbolic that God was with the people and was blessing the people. Drinking wine was a joyful way to celebrate God's provision. In this story, the wine has run dry. Though I believe this is a literal story that literally happened, I also believe that the wine running out was symbolic of the spiritual state of Israel during the time that Jesus walked the earth. The people had largely forgotten about God. Their joy was gone. Their blessing was gone. They no longer cared for God's provision. They were able to provide for themselves, thank you very much. Jesus steps into reality and literally turns water into wine all the while figuratively and symbolically showing that he was the one who would ultimately restore joy to Israel. He is the blessing from God. Through Jesus, God was once again providing for his people. And don't overlook the fact that God's blessing was better than the man-made version. The master of ceremonies was more right than he ever could have imagined when he said, You have kept the best until now. Jesus is better than anything we think is amazing. Following him brings more joy than we could ever imagine. He provides everything that we need. Chapter 3 There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, And yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to Save the world through Him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in Him, but anyone who does not believe in Him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come from the light so that others can see that they are doing what God really wants. Then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them there, baptizing people At this time, John the Baptist was baptizing at Anon, near Salem, because there was plenty of water there. And people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown into prison. A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people and everyone is going to Him instead of coming to us. John replied, No one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how I plainly told you I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for Him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with Him and hear His vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at His success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few believe what he tells them. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true, for he is sent by God. He speaks God's words, for God gives him the spirit without limit. The Father loves his Son and has put everything into his hands. And anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. The Pharisees get a bad rap. But I have to say that I really appreciate Nicodemus. Here in this exchange in John 3, I get the feeling that Nicodemus was really trying to understand what was going on. He saw something special in Jesus, but he couldn't quite put his finger on it. Nicodemus came to speak with Jesus at night under the cover of dark so that no other religious leaders or Pharisees would know about it. And he begins the conversation by telling Jesus, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. So immediately, we see that Nicodemus is not like the rest. Then Jesus tells him some incredibly difficult thing to understand, that unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Understandably, Nicodemus is confused by this. I mean, eliminate any religious Christianese that you may have heard throughout the years, and this is admittedly difficult to understand. Nicodemus responds by asking the most normal follow-up question possible. What do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Valid question. Before we move on from the question, I want to notice two things. First, there is such a difference between asking someone questions and questioning someone while I don't know Nicodemus's heart for sure. I get the impression that he is asking questions. I get the feeling that he really wants the answers and that he wants to understand. And that leads me to the second thing to notice here in his question. Notice the phrase old man. Why did he specifically ask about an old man? Could it be that Nicodemus was asking this question specifically about himself? Was he the old man in question? I think so. I think the actual question he is asking is, how can I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? I want to see the kingdom of God. Now, of course, Jesus was not talking about a physical rebirth from your mother's womb, but about a new birth in the spirit. Humans can produce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Then, towards the end of the conversation, Jesus offers this timeless whopper. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. We do not have the privilege of seeing how the story ended for Nicodemus here in John 3. It doesn't appear that he put his faith in Christ in this particular moment. But we do, perhaps, get a glimpse into what must have transpired in the days, weeks, months, and years that followed. Much later in the Gospel of John, after Jesus is crucified, John tells us this about the burial of Jesus' body. Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. That's John 19, verses 38 through 39. At some point, it appears, Nicodemus came to the point where he could no longer deny that Jesus was, in fact, the Christ. Anyone who comes to Jesus with honest questions will eventually come to the same undeniable conclusion. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Chapter 4. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. "'I don't have a husband,' the woman replied. Jesus said, "'You're right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth.' "'Sir,' the woman said, "'you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshiped? Jesus replied, "'Believe me, dear woman. The time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came, streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone and bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between the planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvest. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work and now you will get to gather the harvest. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village, so he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. At the end of the two days, Jesus went on to Galilee. He himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown. Yet the Galileans welcomed him, for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he did there. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana, where he had turned the water into wine. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum, whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son, who was about to die. Jesus asked, Will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs? and wonders. The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, Go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them when the boy had begun to get better, and they replied, Yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that that was the very time Jesus had told him, Your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. To help us get a closer look at some of the things that transpired here in John 4, we have a special guest today. A good buddy of mine, an awesome youth pastor and a fellow 5K mayor, Scott Tinman. All right, I'm so excited. I am talking with the one and only Scott Tinman. Scott is a youth pastor out in the Finley, Ohio area. has been a youth pastor for quite a few years, and we've had the opportunity to get together and do ministry together. Scott, uh, I love your heart. I'm so excited that you're a part of this challenge this year. You've been doing the 5K every day in the month of May 2021. And for anybody out there who is listening, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Actually, this is my third year doing the 5K every day in the month of May challenge. So I'm excited about that. But I've lived here in Findlay, Ohio for about nine years. And so I've been doing youth ministry for 28 years in Illinois, Minnesota, and now Ohio, the great state of Ohio, I'm married, been married for 28 years as well. So that's pretty cool that as long as I've been a youth pastor, I've been married too. And so I have three boys. I have a 23-year-old, 19-year-old that's in college, and a 14-year-old that will be going into high school next year. And they, we're a big basketball fan, so we like playing a lot of basketball. So I guess running fits in really well to be able to stay in shape so I could play basketball with my boys.
0: Are any of your boys doing the 5k every day in the month of May challenge? And before you answer no, why not?
2: They're not so much runners. Actually, Zach, my middle child, he was a good cross country runner, but he got into basketball too much. So between his eighth grade and ninth grade year. So in eighth grade, you only have to run two miles for cross country. And then you have to run a 5k. How about that? in high school and he did not like that that much but the funny thing was is every race he PR'd because he's learning how to run the 5k but no he is not running with me as of yet Uh, maybe I could get him to join me on one of these runs here quick and there's always next year right that's right
0: now you are no stranger to the 5k every day in the month of May challenge and i'm wondering could you offer a bit of encouragement to the amazing people who are participating in this epic 5k may 2021 challenge
2: well we are past day 21 and they say that it takes 21 days to begin a habit and so my encouragement is keep on that habit if you're still running get out there each day run walk, whatever you need to do, spend that time checking out God's creation around you. If you are not listening to the podcast, which would be kind of weird because we're doing a podcast, so they must be listening to it anyway. This is the first year that I actually tapped into this podcast and listening to it each day. And that has made a big difference because I have to be able to listen to Jeff Poland doing the, uh, The voices in the scripture reading is awesome and it encourages me. Actually, I think it was Friday I was out running and whenever we get that extra bonus song right in the middle, it kind of gets you going. You're like, okay, I got to finish this. So make the time Sundays are really difficult for me as a youth pastor. And I put something in the Facebook group and someone was able, hey, get one of your kids to go and do it with you. And did that today, trying to get that 5K in. So just look for ways to be able to get out there and exercise and listen to God's word, I think is awesome.
0: And speaking of listening to God's word, I'm really excited because you're going to share with us something that God has shown you through John 4. So what is it that God has laid on your heart for us from John 4?
2: It's interesting because when I was thinking about this and we're going through the different gospels, I'm actually in a Bible study with a neighbor of mine and we meet each week. And we just went through John 4 just a week or two ago. And as I was thinking about, man, there is so much in this chapter uh, where Jesus is being intentional in meeting with a woman at the well. And, you know, as you look through this passage of scripture, you know, Jesus does things that Like, people are like, what are you doing as we're reading it? Because first of all, he's talking to a Samaritan woman and being able to talk to a woman was not the norm back then, let alone a Samaritan woman being a person that's a Jew. And so he was very intentional. And even in this passage of scripture. You know the different things that he asked her uh, looking for ways to get into a conversation with her you know sees that she's coming during the midday you know something that sticks out to me with that is well why was she coming midday well we're going to find out later as you read through in the middle to the end of this chapter well she was coming midday because when jesus points out to her that hey bring your husband to me and She's like, well, I don't have a husband. Well, yeah, because you're living with someone. Well, she was coming out midday because she was probably looked down on. And, you know, the thing that I think about Jesus, he always looks for the outcasts. He looks for the people that don't fit in, that people overlook. And this passage just shows how he was intentional being able to go through those different barriers, looking for A spiritual conversation to get her into and and to talk to about the Messiah. And he has that little drop the mic moment. I love those drop the mic moments when you see it in scripture where he basically says, you know, I am the Messiah. I am the one that you are talking about and being able to then meet her needs of saying, Hey, I am here for you. And being able to then share that with others. It's pretty interesting how she goes back and tells everyone about him and using this gospel conversation, moving to the spiritual conversation. So the thing that I think about it with this is, you know, as I go through my day, who are the people that God brings into my pathway where I could get into gospel conversations with and be able to share the love of Christ with them? So being a youth pastor and kind of a small town here, you know, 40, 50,000, it's easy for me just to get caught up in my own church and my own church people and youth group. And one of the things that I do on a regular basis is I go out looking for ways that I could meet people in our community. I like coffee. I know that Jeff likes coffee too. And I go to different coffee shops in town for the purpose of looking for people to build relationships with, the baristas there, the different people that come in. I was able to get connected with some different teaching groups here in town. And so I work with the Women's Resource Center. I get to go into schools. And so all of a sudden, I open myself to all these different people that I see not in my norm. And I think that's one of the things that sticks out for me in this John chapter four is that looking for those ways to get into gospel conversation. The interesting thing, as I was meeting with my friend about this the other day, is when the disciples rejoin Jesus uh, in verse 27 and beyond, they come back and they see Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman. I would have liked to have been in that group with disciples to see, like, I could just imagine them elbowing each other. Hey, John, you ask him. No, Peter, you ask him. No, James, you ask him, like, what are you doing? This is not the norm. And yet, I think that there's something that Jesus was modeling to his disciples there, that it is all about relationships and about being able to reach out to people who are overlooked. So that's one of the things that I like to do here and model it to to my own family, uh, to Uh, the different youth leaders that I work with, of that it's all about relationships and being able to go out and look for people that need to hear about Jesus. And not to just hope that it happens, but be intentional about it. Again, that's what I see. There's so much intentionality here. And Jesus then is able to reach this Samaritan village. The Jewish people weren't wanting to hear him. If you go back to the previous chapter, they're they're already starting to think about how can we get rid of this guy? The things that he's saying, this is not right. And yet he goes to the Samaritans and being able to reach that village. And it was the Samaritan woman going back and telling others, I just met this man that told me everything about myself and that her sins could be forgiven as she put her faith and trust in the person of Jesus. And so challenge for us, I think is Who are those people that God puts into our lives that we are going to be intentional in being able to reach out and talk to them about Jesus and being able to meet their needs in any way that we can, but more importantly, being able to share how Jesus has made a difference in my life. And how he can make a difference in their life
0: what a great challenge to be intentional about telling people how jesus has made a difference in your life and how he can make a difference in their life i hope you appreciated that thanks scott for hanging out to wrap up today's podcast let's have another song from poland band this song is called no matter the cost What can we do
1: To make a difference in this world Can we really touch a life Can we show them Jesus Christ What can we give We have nothing on our own Let us be your hands and feet and May we follow where you lead Give us your life so we shine like the stars. Pour out your love on us, Lord, give us your heart. Let us unite to serve the broken and lost. We give our lives to